The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Touch 'Em All podcast. Bringing this to you from the lovely outdoor patio area of 1500 ESPN Studios off 280 and University. Since I, there's no baseball game in town today, we figured we'd go to the 70 and sunny yeah, ourselves. Find the green grass where we can. And I do feel like for once we, we have a decent chance to touch all of them today. I think we will. Have we ever actually touched all no, of them? No, we aspire to touch all of them. And uh, and yeah, I think we got a decent chance today. Yeah. So let's. There's a million things to get to, and uh, and as we record this, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be listening to this after the Twins face old friend Mike Pelfrey. But can I just start by saying and watch? I'm going to say this now and watch him shove the yeah. Twins for <laughs> nine innings, <laughs> eight innings, a no hitter <laughs> or something miraculous. Right? Can I just ask? Mike Pelfrey's been in the league since 2006. And and good for the Twins, even without Miguel Sano tonight, who's going to serve his suspension. Uh, they're going to they're going to hopefully get right if you're the Twins' offense after a, a bad weekend against Boston, in which you just got bludgeoned all over the place. And Mike Pelfrey is the right remedy. Usually, again, you're listening to this after he threw a no hitter. So right. <laughs> I apologize for jinxing. Sorry it. for the Phil Mackey jinx. But can I ask why, in God's name, did the Tigers pay him sixteen million dollars over two years? Predictably released him sometime, I think, before the season started. The White Sox picked him up. This Mike Pelfrey is a classic example, and I, and I ripped the Twins for this when they signed him to two different contracts. Or maybe one of them was a trade. I, I can't remember. But they signed him to at least one big contract. Well, they signed him on uh, free agency after the Mets, and then they extended him. And then they extended him. Yeah. So they paid him for three years. Perfect example of when scouts outsmart themselves, where there's a 10-year track record, and I get that numbers aren't everything, and they should never be everything, but when a guy gives you that resume for 10 years, 4.5 ERA, National League, crazy low strikeout rate, walk totals are a little high considering he doesn't miss a lot of bats, home runs allowed or through the roof certain seasons, let's keep taking chances on him. Like, I just... He's 33 years old now. He's never tried out in the bullpen. I think that would be the next step for him at some point, again, after he throws a no-hitter against the Twins right. here, it's... Uh, which, you, which you probably heard as you're listening to this. I don't get why teams have kept throwing money at Mike Pelfrey, but here he is on the mound in a white side. And it's not know. chances. Like, chances would be $1 million invite to spring training. If no, you like make the club, that's dollars. what I mean. Yeah. It's not like... Uh, you know, hey, Ryan Vogelsong, why don't you come to camp? And, you know, if a lot of guys get hurt, and let's be honest, if the young guys aren't where we think they're going to be, then maybe you have a shot to make the rotation. No, it's here's a two-year contract that will pay you $16 million to pitch baseball games for us. That's the No part matter what. I don't get, I don't get that Or we'll pay you $7 million prorated to pitch for somebody else in right. year two, Did which you see is the, pretty much what's happening. You see the prank that I posted to our website, though? Uh, Dustin Morris actually tweeted out the old Mike Pelfrey prank. It's so, pretty funny. Behind-the-scenes story. So I was in Fort Myers that week. This doing, was, it was 2014? 20, 2013? 2014, I believe. Okay. Uh, it was the first ever spring training for the Mackey and Judd show. And Judd had a 
pre-planned trip booked somewhere else. I think he was in New York, or, or he might have even been somewhere else in Florida. Oh, where he'd wife. go like to Dunedin and watch Blue Jays yeah. spring training on yeah. his vacation from spring training. So I did shows from Fort Myers alone, basically, okay. and Mike Pelfrey was a guest on our show that day. And so Mike Pelfrey comes in studio or in, in studio in one of the press box uh, broadcast booths, and one of the Twins PR people comes up, and I see him creeping around the, the hallways. And Pelfrey kind of leaves after the interview. PR person walks in and says, hey, shh, you got to follow me and watch what's about to happen. Oh, no. And sure enough, there's Mike Pelfrey down in the manager's office on speakerphone with, what was it, the Wichita State? Wichita State Shockers. Was in it their... basketball? Yeah, team? their the... final yeah. four run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to pump, pump. Come on, you guys. You got you to gotta go get them. And, and it you turned out what? to be... There was nobody on the right. other end. It was like <laughs> Michael Kadiers or Glenn Perkins on the other end. Matt yeah. Guerrero sitting there. At the, it's like uh, I think he should have channeled his inner Bruce Boudreaux. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's I posted it to fifteen hundred ESPN dot com on our Twins page. There's just it was pretty funny. It's a Mike Pelfrey prank. It's it's pretty good. Gardy got him pretty good, and Gardy of course played it pretty well, um, being the jokester that he is. But yeah, he was. Uh, he's a Wichita State alum, and he was, you know, supposed to be pumping up the team. So they told him they were on the other end of the phone, and he's just shouting. This is my contention, though, is that he should have channeled his Bruce Boudreaux when they go into the, the cameras, follow him into the Capitals the locker HBO room. Thing, yeah. yeah, and he says, he says, we're just out here stick handling. You know, <laughs> he can't just go out there and want it. You gotta want it. Dropping. <laughs> F-bombs left and right. Yeah, I feel like Pelfrey should have channeled his Bruce Boudreaux. But congratulations to Mike Pelfrey, who, can you guess how much money he's made in his career? Oh, I've got this number in my head. I looked it up earlier. Um, Let's see. So Mike Pelfrey, who, in the 11 years of being a Major League starter, has one of the lowest strikeout rates, one of the worst. $35 million. $47 million. $47 million. So if you have an arm and it's attached to your torso... And you can throw 90 miles an hour for 10 years, which is a very rare thing and a rare skill set. You're set for $47 million over a Well, he's huge, too. Decade. Like, he's a giant guy. So you look at him, and, and, and if you're just – if you don't watch the numbers necessarily, you look yeah. at him and you're like, man, yeah, there should be something there. I feel like that with Kyle Gibson a lot. That's, the, that's what scouts keep I saying, I look at though. him and I say, there's something there. you got to be something. No, there's just not. It's Kyle just- Gibson will continue. If he flames out, if this doesn't work with the Twins, and he, he's, already, he's already been demoted to minor leagues – National League teams will take flyers on Kyle Gibson. What is he, 29? Until he's 34 years old. Yeah. He will get flyers for another five years because he looks like the part. He throws 93 miles an hour. There's movement on his pitches. He just, Mike Pelfrey, same way. And I feel bad because Mike Pelfrey is a really good guy, and I enjoyed having him on the radio show, so I'm just using him as a punching bag for no reason. But uh, it's top of mind because the Twins are facing him yeah. in this series. So. Can we, uh, uh, just to make this a little lighter and, and provide a little more, you know, we're not taking cheap shots all yeah, day. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. It's I, okay. We can take some. We're, we I'm have around Judd license. all day, and he's kind of a negative Nancy. So. <laughs> I think it's the fluorescent lights. <laughs> I think that's what kind of brings the We have a lot down. of beige walls in the building, and sometimes I go crazy. What I will say is that, I've, so I've got three things. Uh, optimism reigns. You've, you're familiar with the bit, Optimism Reigns? It's on yes. Twitter. And, yes. and just to kind of... Um, 
out myself a little bit here. Optimism Reigns is kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, there's some that are legitimate. Hey, hey Miguel Sano just made a barehanded play and looks like a real third baseman. Optimism Reigns. During the middle of a 100-loss season. It's a figment of, of imagination That's exactly for, right. for when your team is terrible. There yeah. are other things, too, when people will say, like, you know, the, the Twins gave up 10 runs in the ninth inning. How are you going to spin that positive? Well, at least they didn't give up 10 runs in any other inning. Optimism Reigns. Sure. So you can kind of use it. It's versatile that way. Uh, but I have three of them for the twin season so far. Uh, There's more to, than three to things by. to be optimistic about, yep. too. So I guess hopefully I should this say... is an exclusive list. They're still above optimism reigns. I'll start us off, actually. Let's do it. Uh, despite getting bludgeoned <laughs> against the Red Sox those last couple games and having your bullpen just get absolutely waxed for, a, was it a nine spot in the ninth inning? Ten. A ten spot in the ninth inning. Oof. Hey, Optimism Reigns, you're still one game above 500 going into the White Sox series. Optimism Reigns, that loss only counts as one loss on the schedule. Yes. So there's that. Um, that I did have some serious Actually, that ones. one did count for two. I'm not sure if you yeah. saw that. <laughs> Rob Manford made an announcement on Monday. <laughs> he was at Target Field, witnessed it, and decided Oof. that can't be just one yeah. loss. <laughs> Um, sorry, uh, sorry, Twins bullpen. Neville gets both of the losses, too. <laughs> we, said, we said that we weren't going to take any cheap shots, and then we started talking about the Twins bullpen. That was, there's, that was poor there's planning. There's no other place to go if you dive into Twins bullpen other than cheap shots. So poor anyway. planning on our part. Hey, guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three-plus decades, and there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. I'll go in reverse order because I I, I kind of think that they're this is in reverse order of importance for just this week specifically this week of Twins baseball three very th- three things that you can be very optimistic about number three the Twins front office has run out of patience they their patience has expired they're not just marching through a season content to get through the innings load and say. Well, we just got to fast forward to 2018 and see what we've got. Sending down Kyle Gibson, which is an unusual move. I think everyone would agree that it's warranted, but unusual in that an arbitration guy who's somewhat established as a big league starter and expected to be one of your five, you know, he was one of the automatics when people talked about the rotation. My first reaction was, he still had options? Oh, wow. yeah, he's got two of them. He, yeah. he could be optioned next year, too. I think it's it's three option years and unless you reach five years of Major League Service time, and In then you'd have case. to approve. They might be able to send you once without your permission, but then you have to approve it beyond that. So he did fall into that window, though. Yeah, if you are a Twins fan, this week has to be, despite you know the losses, I, I don't think it was an overwhelmingly positive week, but the fact that they DFA'd Michael Tonkin, who had no business being in that bullpen, and the fact that they DFA'd Danny Santana and got something for him yeah. in a trade, even if Kevin Chapman's not going to be a big-time contributor for the Twins, which you look at his minor league walk rates and the fact that he's 29 and he's only got 55 big league innings and... 
you don't exactly see a lights out eighth inning guy down the road. But if, the he, fact can, that if he can get a lefty out, he's once yes, he's, he can get one lefty out, and you're in. Yes, you just won <laughs> the trade. And and if the Braves turn Danny Santana back around, good for them. I, I just don't see a lot there. I don't think Danny Santana is a very good player. Um, and so the fact that they didn't just keep him on the bench because how easy would that have been? Well, you know, we need bench versatility, and especially if we're going to go with a 13-man pitching staff, it's it's nice that our two bench players that aren't a catcher can play seven different positions. Yeah, but if you don't play any of them well, that versatility has limited value. There's and, only so much he adds. And it feels like, not to go off, uh, this is the, More the cheap shots. 30 to Here 60. It comes. No, it's not. It's, it's just facts. 30 to 60 seconds on Danny Santana, and, that's, and then cut me off. They already have quite a few versatile infielders on their 40-man. Adrianza was just called up. He can play multiple positions. Um, remind me of the other. There's another shortstop slash second baseman. Well, Escobar's uh, Ang- on their roster. Angel Vielma Angel, is the yeah. young kill. Uh, he's he's on the 40-man roster. Yep, at double Polanco A. can play multiple positions. Yep. And Eduardo Escobar. So there's. it's not like they were in desperate need of sure. a guy who can play multiple positions. Not to mention... Let's go back to the beginning of the Touch Em All podcast over two years ago when you and I did take some heat from people. We agreed going into the Twins' 2015 season that what you saw last year with Danny Santana in 2014 His rookie year. almost won the Rookie of the Year award, if I remember correctly, because he hit 315 with 70-plus runs scored and hit some home runs. And played center field, played out of position yeah, all played year, and played pretty well. Yeah, center field. It was a total fluke based on inflated batting average on balls in play, that he just didn't have strike strike zone discipline. Pitchers were going to find the spots that they need the next year to get him out. It just took yep. him, for whatever reason, took pitchers a little longer to adjust to his expanded strike zone. And um, that's what happens when, if you don't read between the lines, if you're one of those, if you're a broadcaster, perhaps, or a fan who makes fun of BABIP, batting average on balls in play, Danny Santana, 2014, and Tsuyoshi Nishioka, last full year in Japan before he came to the Twins. Prime red flag warning signs. Guys who are going to regress and crash in a big way, and that's what happened. With I think Santana. I think your thirty to sixty seconds on Danny Santana is up. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I said, 30, I said bit. thirty to sixty minutes. I'm not, I misspoke. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be right. a full episode. Maybe I misheard you. I think that the the point I want to leave you with, listeners, is that you should be encouraged by the fact that the front office of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine is not content to just march to the end of a season and say, well, we just got to get through this year. No, they see a competitive team, and they're not going to take crappy performances from players that, frankly, don't have much of a future. Michael Michael Tonkin's out of options. So you could argue, well, boy, they're giving up on a guy with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and prime strikeout rates. Yeah, but he's also got terrible walk rates. He doesn't know where the plate is. When's the last time he posted good numbers over a full season with an ERA under five? I don't care that he's out of minor league options. If he doesn't add anything to your bullpen over the next three years, cut him. And that's what the Twins are doing. Yeah, he had three or four years to show it and, and another month and a half. And these, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have no emotional attachment to anyone who was on the roster before they got here. Yeah. And there's well, a lot of mediocre borderline players and aging players that are on notice right now. I wonder how many players they do have an emotional attachment to. And Thad and I have talked about this before. In fact, I think it was – I think we used it on a podcast, I want to say. This was at the winter meetings in Washington, D.C. And he said that, like, they had a they had a stint in Texas where there was this, like, sort of – they had a team that was – perennially an AL contender, um, you know, it was those good Texas teams. Um, 
at the turn of the decade. And, and you sort of, if a guy's there for five, six years and giving you his peak years, there's this sort of emotional attachment. Even if you try to be this cold, calculating robot. Who, Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler. Uh, the example that he used, I think, was Michael Young. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. like, great player and gave us a lot over the years. And then it's really hard to say goodbye or to say, like, what the Twins are saying to Joe Maurer this year. Hey, man, good player for a long time. Twins Hall of Famer someday. You're not going to play every day against lefties. And, and when you do, you're not going to be leadoff or second or fourth. Sometimes he still is, I know. But they're giving him a reduced role. They don't really have an emotional attachment to Joe Maurer in the same way that you would mm-hmm. if you were, let's say, Terry Ryan, for example. I can go through and count on one hand the number of players on the 25-man roster they have. Jason Castro, because they signed him. And even that, you wonder, like, how deep is the emotional investment? Uh, the financial investment is non-trivial, so that factors in. Uh, Jason Castro, A. Ray Adrianza, Craig Breslow, Matt Belisle. Matt Belisle might test their patience. Yeah, your well, setup guy has a nine ERA right now. And now, but like, where else do you look? Who else has their investment? Like, well, who I would else say I think you're automatically invested in the guys who are likely to yeah. carry you. I in mean, the Miguel future. Sano, so, you care Buxton, about for sure, sure. and and. and Jose Barreos, and that gets me to my second point. Um, so optimism reigns number one is that these guys don't care. They're not going to take crappy performances and, and, and just you know sort of zombie walk to the finish line. They say, hey, look, we're, we're about 500. We need to shuffle through the bullpen. We need to cycle in fresh arms. We need to get rid of things that aren't working. And the trial period's over. They, so, so that's a positive sign. Number two is Barreos is ready, man. I've been probably more patient than any local media member on Jose Barreos. I think you and I have gotten into a number of fights on this podcast over how to handle him. And Would it be odd if two years after our, our big fight about Barrios, if I pumped the brakes on you right now and said, <laughs> I need to see a little more? <laughs> yeah. I, think that I need was... to see like another month. Well, no, because I would put you in sort of like the, the kind of like the middle of the road, too, in terms of patience. Uh, because, there, you know, there are... You've seen calls for him. You've seen calls for people to get fired over not promoting him at age 20 or whatever. And I would say that on the continuum of the, the patience spectrum for Boreos, I'm probably on the far end of being overly patient, and I'll cop to that. I don't see any defensible way in which anyone not named Boreos makes Saturday's start this week for the Twins. I. 40 innings of a 1.19 ERA or whatever it is and, and about a strikeout an inning. We know that his minor league numbers don't always translate to the big leagues, but two things are working against the Twins right now if you still want to hold him down. One, he just keeps dominating in the minor leagues, and it looks like, at least on the stats page, he has nothing left to learn against those hitters. Eventually, he's got to cut his teeth against people that are better than him, and mm-hmm. he's just better than AAA hitters, flat out. Mm-hmm. The second thing that's working against the Twins, if they do decide that they want to suppress him, which I don't think they'll decide, but if they did, if somebody else makes Saturday's start... Do um, they even have anyone left? Well, Mejia... First of all, Tepes should not be starting at all, period. He's going to start again this week. Yeah, I think you could see Tepes starting on Thursday and go to Boreos on Saturday. Now, maybe that's Tepes' last chance. And then you go back to a Gibson or a Mejia or try and stretch Tyler Duffy out to be a starter. Yeah, trade but, for Kershaw, yeah. yeah right. How about Granke? Maybe he's available. That's kind of the rumor mill. <laughs> I do wonder, 
the, the two things that are working against them, though, if, if they're going to make this, and again, straw man argument, I'm just totally making this up that they're not going to go to him on Saturday because they should. He's dominating in the minors. That's step one. Step two, you don't have other options. You can't turn to, you can't go and say, uh, well, Justin Haley, you know, back from the disabled list, and we just got to we gotta sacrifice somebody and have him pitch two or three innings. Buddy Bo Shears, come on down. We need three innings out of you today, buddy, and we're going to a bullpen game. That'd be embarrassing if the Twins did that right now. If they were non-competitive and you just got to have Chris Jimenez throw a couple of innings for kicks and giggles and you just want to get through the game without burning your bullpen, totally fine. But you're competitive right now. At least pretend to be competitive and I think a competitive team would turn to Boreos right now on Saturday, and I yeah. expect to see that. Yeah, I think it serves two purposes. There's not, you're right, there's really not a whole lot left to prove in the minor leagues if you're him. You've conquered every level. Do you need to throw 200 innings at every level? I think you can, I think you can pretty much glean that he's found a way to dominate yeah. AAA hitters. I, I will defend the Twins' resistance to calling him up to this point in the year with, with this, because Falvey said this, I can't remember if it was on our radio show last week when he joined us in the Skyway or if it was just during one of the commercial breaks, just BSing off the air. But uh, he basically said, we're not th- the, the things that would signal you uh, that a minor leaguer is ready aren't always the things that show up and correlate 100% yep. in the box score. That I've heard maybe that too, it, yeah. Maybe it's something that we want him to work on. Uh, I'm just going to make this example up because he didn't really want to go into full details, but... Let's say Jose Barrios is getting all of his strikeouts in the minors on pitches out of the zone that minor league hitters are chasing, that major league hitters would not chase. Well, they would look at that and say, it's great that you threw seven scoreless and struck out eight, but seven of those eight strikeouts don't happen against the Red Sox and the Tigers and the teams you're going to be facing. So if you can start to get more swings and misses in the strike zone, and again, this is just me speculating, it's an educated guess, if you can get ahead in the count more often and then get your swings and misses on actual strikes, then we'll know that you're ready to pitch in the major leagues, regardless of what the actual outcome is. Yep. Maybe you still give up four runs, but we know that the process you're implementing and the process you've worked on will translate more often to the major leagues. Here's a hot take. And we talked about Pereos on a recent podcast episode, so I'm kind of doubling back on that, but... but um, when you and I talked about is he ready, should the Twins call him up, and this kind of stuff, this was maybe two weeks ago. It was when we were down in the the bowels of Target Field recording a podcast. And I remember talking about the catcher setting up. This is how I watch a baseball game, and I know you and I have talked about this too, where a two-strike pitch, I'm looking to see where Jason Castro sets up. And, and I wrote about this in my Five Thoughts column. Irvin Santana gave up four home runs to the Red Sox three of which were not even close to where he was trying to throw the pitch. One of them was a two-strike changeup, center of the plate, hip high to the backup catcher who knocked it out of the park for a two-run homer. Another, he ran a fastball up and in on Pedroia that he didn't mean to. Another one, he went in fastball to Benintendi, and he was trying to get him way inside. He was trying to really, really run it inside, and he left it out over the plate, and Benintendi turned it into a home run. That's the kind of thing that I watch for a pitcher. I watch where's this catcher setting up and where does the pitch actually end up going. Mm. And I can tell you for a fact that those three spots were not where Irvin Santana was trying to go. They turned into home runs. Here's the hot take. If I'm the Twins and Barrios has a two-strike count in the minor leagues and I'm watching him face a minor league hitter, somebody who's you know good enough to be in AAA but 
you're never going to see a big league career out of him. And the catcher sets up his glove on the inner third of the plate. And Barreos runs a two-seam fastball that maybe starts inner third of the plate but runs six inches outside because he's got ridiculous movement. And the catcher has to kind of like lunge while the hitter swings and misses it. The catcher catches it. Strike three, you're out. Box score, it goes up as a strike. If I'm the Twins, here's the hot take. I would rather see you hit that spot and give up a hit than rack up that strikeout on a pitch you didn't try to throw or you had no idea where it was going. Of course, agreed. The counter argument to that from most logical fans who are listening is, okay, I don't care. It's still better than Nick Tepish. That's right. Exactly. And that is correct as well. And optimism (laughs) reigns. Yes. That's how it fits in this one. (laughs) Um, I do have a third one, and we can wrap it up um, because – now that you've already jinxed the Mike Pelfrey shutout for the night, I think that... Yeah, can uh, you believe last night how lights out he was? <laughs> was crazy. Yeah. yeah, that two-seamer man was really running. It had a lot of heavy sink. That's what they call a heavy fastball. Uh, Miguel Sano. Miguel Sano has obviously been a bright spot. You don't need me to tell you that he's on pace to be in the conversation to be an American League MVP. You, you don't need advanced numbers to tell you that Miguel Sano's a beast. Mm-hmm. The optimism reigns that I'm digging a second level for is that Miguel Sano is not only a beast, Miguel Sano smells blood. He had a 3-0 and count this past week in the ninth inning with the Twins down three runs and two runners on base. So his home run would matter a lot. As high leverage as you can possibly get, and he gets up there with two outs against the closer, gets to a 3-0 and count, and you don't even have to look down at third base coach Gene Glenn to know that he's got the green light Was this here. the at-bat? Actually, I be- was this against Kimbrell? Was this- I believe the bases were loaded, and he was the winning run. Was it? this? Cause it- he I came don't think up- it was Kimbrell because he came it was up Friday. Twice. He came up twice in similar instances within yep. the last week. So Cody Allen was the first one, but I don't think this was Cody Allen. This, um, this happened again against the Red Sox at one point. Was that Saturday then? Saturday, because Joe Maurer hit the walk-off on Friday. Yeah. Struck out in a big spot on Sunday. It was Saturday because what happened was he got green lit. uh, Sano, and maybe it was Was early in the game. Was it 7-4 with the bases loaded? Yes. And and so not to steal your optimism. No, that's fine. It's fine. We can both be optimistic. I I love that long-term he smells blood in the water and wants to be up and wants to swing on 3-0 and hit a grand slam, and I love that. I do remember specifically with Red Hot Kenny Vargas on deck, that 3-0 pitch was way inside. inside yeah. It would have been ball four, yep. so it would, have, it would have plated the fifth run, making it 7-5, to five, with now the tying run on second base, you winning run base on first hit. base, and Kenny Vargas coming up. If he just draws that walk that they were giving him, yep. now the Twins have a much better chance to, to tie the game. Well, and you but are, that's like as much as I'll nitpick Miguel yeah, that's, Sano. It's really nitpicky, but it's fair because he did expand the strike zone. I asked Paul Mulder about it after the game, and he said, did he expand the strike zone? Yeah, he, in and general, he kind of smirked. He's like, did he expand? Yeah, probably, but I'm okay with him taking that shot. I mean, in general, I know fans ripped on Joe Maurer for 10 years because the guy would always take close pitches. That and pitch he, he tried took against to Kimbrell, and that, was, that pitch started way outside, never got back to the plate. I'm with him. All you can really do is either foul that pitch off or maybe tap it up the middle, mm-hmm. and it bounces back to the pitch. You're not going to drive that pitch anywhere. It was, it was high, and um, but I do think... People were too hard on Joe Maurer for taking walks. If a pitcher wants to put you on base, that's a good thing for your team. Yeah. So if you're Miguel Sano, can you blend being aggressive and going after in those three one counts, three and zero, two and zero, really picking that spot and that pitch and driving it somewhere? But also, if you don't get the exact pitch in the exact spot, just draw the walk. Yeah. Just 
take get your four hundred on base percentage, right. and ideally, someone behind you with some clout is coming up. Kenny Vargas has been that so far this season. Maybe it's Kepler at some point. Who knows? Yeah, I guess the only optimistic thing is that like he doesn't want to pass the baton. He wants to win the race, and I think long term that's a good thing. He inside fastball, yep, he fouls it back three and one. Then there's another fastball in the strike zone, fouls it back three and two. Okay, here big money pitch and curveball strike three. He was not looking for it at all. I don't know if this was against Kimbrel. I could be wrong, but but the point is the optimism reigns. Point is that. The Twins have a star hitter who wants to be featured in those enormous at-bats, who, who wants to be the center of attention and wants to go for it. And I'm not criticizing Joe Maurer, but you you know, you know, compare and contrast their styles. Maurer was looking for a walk there. There's a runner on third base in a one-run game that if Maurer just hits a single to the outfield, it's tied and it's a different ball game, and he's looking to draw a walk and ends up getting rung up on strike three. Now, whether you think it was a good call or not, like— Maurer's approach is avoid an out, and ordinarily I'm all for that. I'm totally yeah. on board with that. I do think that championship-caliber teams need some guys in their lineup that, that smell that blood, that want to be that guy, and Sano's been that guy so far in his career. Yeah. So optimism reigns. Yeah. Optimism reigns. We are still employed and still have a podcast, too. That's good. Well, I said optimism. I'm not yeah. sure the listeners think it the same way. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.